Christian Serniati, my wife Chris, and uh, I'd like to read a scripture to introduce our time this morning. We're all going to share a little bit. Um, after I after I share, Christian's going to go, and then Chris Mason's going to eat candy and share it with everybody else, and then Dewar's going to share last, and then we have a video to show you, and um, that kind of summarizes our our time. But the scripture today is, uh, as printed in your bulletin, is Romans 10:14. We were especially amazed by the the whole concept of God's story and our stories and how um, they are coming together in our Senegal mission. And we thought of this passage from Romans 10 because it talks about um, knowing about God and how that happens. So listen to these words from Romans 10, verse 14. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? Oh, this is actually, I should have said, this is from the message translation. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. But not everybody is ready for this, ready to see and hear and act. Isaiah asked what we all ask at one time or other. Does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing a word of it? The point is, before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. So part of our mission in Africa is to preach the word, is to talk to people about Jesus. And we're looking for people who are listening. And part of our mission also is to come back here and to tell the story to you in prayer that you all or we all are listening to what God has for us next. Does that all make sense? And it all is wrapped up in what God is doing and telling the story. So that's why we're here this morning to talk to you about that. And I'm going to invite Kristen to go next. My only question is, are we all going to stand here while we're talking or are we going to sit down? Okay, here we go. Kristen. I'll stand here. Salam alaikum. Um, so I'll teach you a new phrase. Some of you know that phrase. Um, a new phrase is nominala. Nominala means I missed you. Nominala. Nominala. Um, so what do you think when you hear the word hospitality? <laughs> Pakistanis. <laughs> I think I've Senegal a little bit. Um, maybe you think of travel, hotels, or restaurants. And we use this word in the U.S. to associate with, like, kind of an industry here. It's not really something often people use the word hospitality for friends or for a culture. And in dictionary.com, it defines hospitality in two ways. One is the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. And the second way is the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. So we can find examples of hospitality in the Bible. 
Um, Jesus ate with the least of these, including tax collectors and Pharisees. He fed thousands and invited his closest friends to share meals at the Last Supper. He can al- we can also find celebrations and signs of hospitality in the Old Testament, including celebrations of harvest in Deuteronomy 16. So are you hospitable? Is that something that you value? Do you welcome people into your home? Do you share meals with a complete stranger? Does that feel good? I don't know. Not everyone's comfortable with that. Do you greet everyone in a warm, friendly, generous way? Senegal has built an entire culture around the word hospitality. In fact, their motto is Taranga. Another word for you, Taranga. And it actually is, means hospitality in our language, but it can be described in a very different way if you ask a Senegalese person. Um, renowned Senegalese chef Pierre Cham has described Taranga in a way that I couldn't even put into words because I'm not Senegalese even though I look like it right now. <sighs> Although some people say I am Senegalese. So um, Pierre said, Taranga is much more than hospitality. It's a value. If there's a set of values in Senegal, Taranga would be the most important one. It's the way you treat the guest. It's the way you treat each other, the one who is not you. That person becomes the one to whom you have to offer Taranga. You have to treat him with so much respect. You have to offer him what you have. You have to invite him to sit around your bowl. There's always room for another around your bowl. Why? Because we believe the other is bringing blessings. When you share your bowl, your bowl will always be plentiful. This is the deep-rooted Senegalese belief. We believe there's always more. You will never lack by sharing. Actually, when you share, you guarantee yourself that tomorrow, if there's more, there's going to be more food in your bowl. This is a country that values the wealth of a person not by how much he has, but by how much he shares, by how much he gives. That's what I would say to summarize what Taranga means. There's not one word that describes it, but Taranga is what Senegal is. It's something really unique to my country. I'm not saying that because I'm Senegalese. It's just this value has been instilled in us that we have to treat others as the most important person in the world. Those of us that have been know this feeling. Um, It's our experience when we go back to Senegal. We're greeted with warm smiles and handshakes by complete strangers. The second you smile at someone, they smile and wave back. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things is walking down the street, and they look like this. And you go, hello, and they go, and they immediately put on this huge smile, and it makes you feel so warm and welcome. Our friends uh, truly consider us to be family. We're expected to come to their home and share a meal and be in genuine fellowship with them. We're often invited to meals in the village, and we sit around the bowl. This is their gift to us. The love and time they've poured into a meal that they've cooked over a fire for hours. The younger women sit over hot coals and prepare us tea. They pull up every seat possible in the shade for us two bobs. That's Taranga. Our partners are mostly Christian. 
However, because there are so few Christians in Senegal, we often are in close contact with non-Christian men and women, such as our drivers and hosts. They treat us this, with the same respect and kindness as they would their own family. They see past our differences as we do theirs. We share meals, laughter, and even sometimes tears. We even pray together. That's Taranga. When we asked where to watch the World Cup soccer game, we were told, just to stop wherever we see a home. I thought he was joking. No, he wasn't. He was like, just stop. Wherever you see a house, stop, get out of the van, go in the house. They will welcome you. It's not what ended up happening. We actually did sit at a restaurant. But I truly believe that if we would have stopped, anyone would have welcomed us into their home to watch the game. And that's Taranga. Um, on this is my fourth trip, was my fourth trip. I couldn't help to see how close Taranga was to the life of Jesus. He invites us all to just walk in to share, to give, and to love without judgment. So my prayer is that this will help us share the good news more often and draw our Senegal family closer to Christ. That's Taranga. It's a matter of seeing my words this morning. It's planting season in Senegal. The villagers of Jogale are all farmers. There's been one good rainfall, the ground is ready, and every day that we were there, we watched our village friends planting seeds, putting seeds into the ground with a prayer that the harvest would be good. You know the story Jesus told, one of God's stories for us about the farmer planting seeds. And that story ends like this. And other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. I want to tell you two stories of a seed planter in Senegal. And I'm going to try to do it without getting choked up because she is an incredible farmer, a seed planter in the lives of children. You know her name. It's Awa. She, her life's work is traveling from village to village in Senegal doing kids' clubs. If you grew up as a child in America and you knew about child evangelism fellowship, and ever attended a neighborhood club, you in this room would have heard the story of God, the story of salvation. This is Awa's work. Let me tell you two recent stories from her life. These are real stories. Recently, God spoke to her when she arrived in a village. She spends her life telling Old Testament stories to kids all sitting in a huge circle in somebody's compound, crowding in to sing her songs and hear the stories. And at this particular day, she was impressed by God to talk about Jesus. Now, if she comes into a village, she is welcome there, and she is welcome to tell any Old Testament Bible story she chooses. But she was overwhelmingly impressed to tell the story of Jesus. And she talked to the kids crowding around her saying, Jesus wants you to please him. Jesus wants you to 
be honest. Jesus does not want you to lie. Jesus does not want you to steal. Jesus wants you to treat each other well. One little boy in that crowd was moved by God. You see, he had been living with his grandma. His grandma took care of him. And every chance he got, he would steal her money. He went back to their hut that day and said, Grandma, hide your money from me. I can no longer steal from you because Awa told us today to please Jesus. On her next village visit to that location, the grandma sought Awa out and said, my grandson is changed. He is no longer stealing. The story of Jesus has changed his life, and I am so grateful to you. God works with those seeds planted in children's lives. We got to witness a first in Jagalay. It was amazing. Every time we arrive and take Awa, she is God's voice. She speaks Wolof. She knows how to work with Senegalese children, especially kids in the village. And um, we support her in every way we can as she does her kids' clubs. On this particular day, she was ready to not only do the kids' club, but to disperse Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes. Now, many of us have prepared those at our church. Many of us know about this international program. Well, it is not a piece of cake in Senegal, let me tell you. Um, maybe it works well in a very organized culture, but when a kids' club goes from 150 children one day and becomes 200 children the next day, and we arrive in the village with 150 shoeboxes, it's a bit of a problem. I can't even describe how chaotic it is. However, let me tell you the story of the shoebox day. Awa arrived. She had a plan, the best plan she could, for dispersing shoeboxes. But before that, her goal was to do an Awa presentation. That We had no idea what she was going to do that day. She reached into her travel luggage and pulled out something, and we kept watching because the kids crowded in on her that day. And she pulled out a, a leather, some kind of a leather bracelet, and these little beads. And she began to tell the story of salvation. in our village for the first time. She talked about the black bead and how sin in our lives separates us from God. And she talked about what Jesus did with the white bead, cleansing from sin, and the red bead, his sacrificial death on the cross. And she talked about a blue bead being baptized as an outward symbol of what God has done on the inside. And she talked about the green bead growing in Jesus. And she talked about the gold bead and the promise of an eternal place with God in his kingdom. And after that, she allowed every child in that group of 200 kids from babies on backs to young teenagers to build a bracelet 
and put it on and wear it proudly around the village. In fact, the next day, we saw those bracelets everywhere in this Muslim village. And at the end of that time, then she gave out the shoe boxes. But I was, I think we were all so moved that we knew the story of God's kingdom and the good news of salvation happened for hundreds of kids in our village that day. So she is a seed planter and goes all over Senegal in this hard culture telling the good news of God. And we know through the work of Awa that our God is great and that the most beautiful fields, the most prepared soil fields God has in Senegal are in the hearts of children. He wants to take up residence in their lives, and they are soft-hearted and ready for that. So may I ask you guys, we've all been praying for Jogale, our village, for over 10 years now. But may I ask you, every time you sit down to your computer and you see the little home icon on your screen for any reason in the world, would you please pray for the kids of Jogale that their hearts would be the home for Jesus Christ, that he would take up residence there because they have ears and they have heard the good news. Thanks. Yeah, the candy is down here. One of the most amazing gifts to any child in Senegal is tango candy. And uh, you are my friends. And I love the kids of this church, no matter what age they are, so I always come back with some candy. The blue is safe. It's a nice mint fresh. The yellow ones are not safe. They are just fantastic hot ginger candies. And we'll be watching who takes what. <laughs> I'd like to um, just give a little context because um, some, of, some of us here this morning may not um, know the, the Senegal story and I want I want. Um, I want everybody to know what has been going on for these 11 years. And uh, actually, it goes back to 1999, so we're getting to be like um, 19 years ago, I heard a story of a church in Vancouver, Washington, that was traveling to Senegal. It was at a conference in Spokane. And uh, the... Um, <laughs> the uh, story had to do with a church that was partnering with w World Vision. They were digging wells, and they had a partnership with this village. And I remember seeing the video and hearing the story, and uh, Chris and I were at the conference. I was the only one who actually saw the video, and I went back to our room, and I said, Chris, I don't know what's going on, but I just, I think God is, is telling me that some, we're supposed to do something like this someday. And... Um, that's really all I had at that point, 19 years ago. And I just little, it was like a little prophetic word that I think God gave me. And um, years went by, and actually, uh, we, in 2006, at a session retreat, really felt like God was calling us to some kind of partnership with 
an, uh, with um, uh, across, the, across the world. Um, we didn't know what that meant, but God was calling us to have more of an active involvement with an unreached people somewhere else in the world. That was 2006. In 2007 was our first visit to Senegal with a team of four of us, uh, myself, Brandon Bailey, Lynn Lockwood, and Todd Layton. And uh, we had an amazing experience in the village of Jagale, an amazing experience that even when we talk about it and told it to told the experience to veteran missionaries working in Senegal, they were like, wow, that's amazing. It was like a book of Acts kind of experience where uh, we were welcomed in a really unusual way. And we just knew. We knew that God was leading us to have this relationship with the village of Jogale. March 2008, now um, a little more than uh, 10 years ago, we prayed and voted and, and um, as a whole church had um, a weekend conference and as a conclusion of that weekend missions conference, we formally adopted the village of Jogale in March of 2008. So fast forward to 2018, this trip is trip number 17 to Jagale. We have um, sent many people from our congregation to go and to continue this relationship. Um, one of the major steps we made in 2012 was that we established a four-way partnership with uh, a church in Senegal, the Baptist Church in the city of Chess, we refer to them as EEBT, and also with a church here in um, Port Orchard called Adventure of Faith, it's a Presbyterian church in Port Orchard, and with a man named Abdurakman Fall, who became our missionary to Jogale and the neighboring village of Sorokon. That was, uh, that was uh, almost six years ago when that was all coming together. And one of the things I need to tell you this morning is that with the way God is calling us and working with our story and what God is doing through us and in us, we as a Senegal team have felt that it's time for us to end the partnership with EEBT, Adventure of Faith, and Abdurakman Fall. We feel like um, the God, we've prayed a lot about this. I want to emphasize that because this is something we really, really set before the Lord and prayed and asked for leading. And we really feel like 2018 is the last year after six years of this partnership that we really need to kind of move beyond that partnership. And um, we, uh, so we went this on this trip to bring that um, that part of our picture to our fellow partners, all of them. So we had people from Adventure of Faith, and they knew what we were going to do. That's the church in Port Orchard. Um, Abdrachman Fall, we had a talk with him, and we presented that to him, and also with our partner church in the city of Chess, the Baptist Church, basically saying we are going to end this partnership because God is calling us to put our efforts and our focus on the medical clinic that we are building in Jogale. We really feel like God is calling us to, to major on this and to put really our focus and our efforts on the medical clinic. 
And um, the partnership that we've had during these last six years is something we need to basically set aside. Now, that's a very difficult thing to do. And we, we prayed that God would help us do it carefully and responsibly. And it has actually turned out, uh, we believe, to happen in that way. But we want to report to you that that's part of what this trip was about. And um, we, um, we had quite a few meetings as we, as we went along, and we really feel like uh, that it has, the, it has come to a really good conclusion. The church in Port Orchard is continuing their partnership with Abdurrahman Fall. So he is going to continue working in that area. We are in really good fellowship with all of the other partners, and they are celebrating the fact that we're following what, what God is calling us to do, and uh, we're, we're moving forward step by step with that. Another main reason of our trip going to, was, to, um, was to give a report to you and to basically check in on the medical clinic. The, um, in Senegal, they talk about it as a uh, postasante. It's a health post. And it's, uh, it's more than a health hut, which is a kind of a small medical outpost. It's, uh, outpost. it's less than a small city hospital like they have in Caffrine. It's kind of, it, it's a it's a certain kind of medical facility in Senegal called a postasante. We would call it a, a medical clinic. And um, so you're going to see pictures today of that at the end of our, of our video. So we want you to know about that. And um, we also want you to know uh, several other things you're going to see on the screen um, is that we, um, uh, we, we did... A, uh, Dewar's going to tell you about a soap distribution. We, we give gifts of soap for um, all the women in the village, and we pray for them. Um, you're going to see uh, pictures of the kids' club that Chris was talking about. Uh, the main thing you're going to see is a parachute, a round parachute on the ground, and kids all around it. So that's the kids' club in action. I want, want you to know about that. Um, the other things that we did was that we, um, we, we gave gifts and expressions of our love and affection for a woman named Fatu. Fatu is the widow of Modu, and Modu was our, basically our man of peace, the person who was our original contact in Jogale. We helped with you know, miscellaneous medical needs as people came to us with cuts and bruises and scrapes and those kinds of things. That, that always happens. We encouraged our missionary friends in the city of Kafrine, the Garretts, the Sandifers, and the Gallaghers who hosted us. The Gallaghers hosted us for lunch. We heard uh, that there's possibilities of things that are going to happen as we're getting closer to opening the medical clinic um, Duart, are you going to talk about the goal date? Okay, so I won't, I won't go there. But um, one of the things that you also need to know is that um, Duart is the proud owner of a drone. And uh, you're gonna, the reason you're going to see some amazing footage is uh, Duart along with uh, Todd are both members of the drone club. And they, <laughs> they have, uh, it's really kind of revolutionized um, our, our ability as these two guys have been droning on and on. So... Um, so the amazing thing here, though, is despite all the difficulties and um, the challenges of working in Senegal, that God is weaving together all these amazing stories. Our story, which began back in 1999, really started 
um, going in 2007-2008. Abdurrahman Fall's story um, of finding a job in um, and in in uh, the Kafrine area was focusing on the villages of Jagale and Sorokone and how we've been a part of that story and now we're kind of moving away. Um, EEBT, the Baptist Church's story of um, they've had trouble as a church. I, you know, it's it's been a very difficult time. One of the reasons that we feel called to kind of step away is that their part in the picture is so important with Abdrakman Fall and they haven't been able to do it. So um, that's that's a thing. Adventure of Faith Presbyterian Churches in Port Orchard, their story is um, all part of this. And how this is all, all of these are part of God's story, to care for the people of Jagale. The whole region, which is referred to the, as the K region, we have a very close relationship with the mayor of that region. And um, that's an amazing part of the story. Um, the people of Senegal, the Wolof people, who um, are, are um, Muslim, there's very, very few of the six to seven million Wolof people in Senegal who are followers of Jesus. Very, very few. They remain an unreached people group. And that's one of the reasons that God called us to them in the beginning, to bring them the good news about Jesus. What a privilege to be involved in all of this. So um, with that being said, hopefully that kind of sets some of the context. And this is all about God's story this morning, and it's going to be kind of come to a culmination as you see the video, but Duard, come and share with us. All right, good morning, and uh, thank you for your support for our trip to, uh, to Senegal. Um, we definitely couldn't have done the trip without people here on the ground at home praying and, and supporting us in, in many ways. Uh, I'd like to start out uh, with a little comedy, uh, some fun quotes from the trip, uh, just a few. Uh, I've been doing short-term mission trips for over 18 years, and uh, it, up until this trip, I hadn't ever written them down, and uh, they're, they're, worth, they're worth talking about a little bit. Um, so here goes. Uh, no names will be mentioned, and that's to protect the innocent. Okay. Um, the first one, the name of the town is a mix of doorbell and gerbil. And if you want to know more about that, since the front row is the only one that's laughing about it, talk to one of us, and we'll explain it to you. My headlamp is brighter than yours. <laughs> yeah, but mine blinks. What kind of sandwich did you get? Chicken pole. And if you're a French speaker, you'd get it because pole is the French word for chicken. So it's a chicken chicken sandwich. Uh, if I had one more baguette, I'm going to turn into a piece of white bread and roll around on the floor. We spent a lot of time eating bread in, in Senegal. Um, she is Wolofian. And my favorite, personal favorite, if you sit down with me, I'll share my drugs with you. <laughs> now, don't worry about any drug abuse problems. Uh, that, that is due to the fact that it takes a long time flying to get to Senegal so, and to get back. So um, at times, some sleeping medication is used, some Ambien, which is something that's appropriate for that type of a trip. So... Um, I wanted to talk a little bit first about uh, our village chief. Um, if you've been to Senegal or been to Africa, you know that one of their uh, things that they do is they give us a name. They give us a Wolof name, somebody from the village. Uh, and I'm named after the chief, uh, Salou Senyan. Uh, and since this is my fourth time 
to Senegal, he recognizes me now when I go back, and so he comes up and, and we have a discussion. Um, uh, his favorite question for me now is, have I been collecting taxes? So watch out, because I might be collecting taxes soon. Um, he's always wondering how my tax collection is doing. Um, during this trip, we had a discussion about quantity of wives in each of our cultures. Uh, and although that was interesting, it turned into a discussion about planting crops. As you've mentioned, or as what's already been said, is they're in their, their planting season right now. Um, since Jogalay got their first major rainstorm, or rain, last week, uh, they have started planting crops, and from sunup to sundown, uh, there aren't a whole lot of men or boys, and I'm talking boys down to uh, six and seven years old. They'll come back into the village uh, with huge oxen, and they'll drive them right through the middle of the village. And they've been out in the, in the fields working these oxen all day long. So they use everybody they can. Uh, so um, Chief Salus made a comment to me that um, I better start planting my field. He said, said start planting your field. And, and we went on about our business after that. The next day, we were back in the village being welcomed. And after about five minutes, uh, Chief Salu came back up. Uh, for a greeting, and his first question to me this morning was, had I got my crops planted yet? That was a big deal. Um, I laughed and told him that I hadn't, and I must be lazy. Um, it's great to have a dose of humor while we're in the village. Uh, it's definitely something that uh, uh, keeping things on the light side is good. A quick update about the, the health clinic. Um, you are going to see pictures of it when we show the video. Um, I'm going to spend a little time talking about it. Uh, in Senegal, as John mentioned, it's called a post-asante. Uh, we've been calling it either health hut or health clinic, but it is considered a post-asante. Uh, and you'll see some pictures. Uh, the first story walls are up and the roof is on. Uh, next steps are finishing the mortar work on both the interior walls, the ceiling, and the exterior walls. Uh, and then the next step after that is uh, ordering the doors and windows and having them fabricated and installed. Um, we presented 4,500 U.S. dollars to Adam Asen for the next steps, which is the windows and doors. Uh, so those are, are in work right now. Um, and that money came from you. That, that money is money that was donated through Mountain View for the health clinic. So thank you for that. Uh, without that support, we wouldn't even have a building. Uh, there's been over $30,000 raised for the health clinic. So that is awesome. Um, and... and uh, so the next step now is uh, we did meet with the, the folks at Bartimae Hospital in Chess, which is a hospital that is going to help us with staffing and some equipment that's going to be needed in the in the health at, or in the in the post asante. Um, so here's our target. We want the health clinic to be ready to offer services by the end of 2018. That's six months away. We need to raise roughly another $10,000 to help with getting it furnished and getting it ready to go. But that is our target right now, is by the end of 2018, we'll have one more trip over there in the November timeframe, but to have it ready to help people in that village and the surrounding area by the end of 2018 is, is, the, is our challenge. Uh, some of the things that that $10,000 coming up will pay for is the tile work inside. Uh, plumbing furnishings, uh, electrical items. There's no power that goes to this, this building, so the power is going to come from within, meaning solar panels and battery system, uh, so it'll produce its own power. Um, it is a realistic goal. 
uh, for both the construction and finding the staff of having it open by the end of the year. Thanks again for your support. Uh, God is good all the time. Uh, one more thing, uh, when we were in, uh, in church last Sunday in Kaffrine, uh, Pastor Camille, who's the pastor there in the church and the, the headmaster at the school, uh, used Philippians 4, uh, 9 through 13 in his sermon. Uh, his focus was on verse 13, though, which is, uh, I can do everything through him, Jesus, who gives me strength. Something that I've struggled with uh, in short-term missions, usually those missions that I've been on are, are to less fortunate areas, is uh, coming home from the mission trip and seeing how uptight we are as Americans. And I, I will say I'm, I'm that person too. Um, but we worry about things like, are we driving the right car? What is my calorie intake today? Is my pillow too soft? Is my latte the right temperature? Did I buy the latest gadget for my kids? Folks, we just spent almost two weeks in Africa with people that don't know if they're going to have money to buy seeds to, to raise crops, to, to put food on the table for their families. They, there's been a change in the way they get their money. Uh, it used to be that they could take a loan out, and at the end of the crop season, they could repay that loan. They stopped that this year. They have to pay money up front in order to buy the seeds for their crops or to, to plant their crops. Uh, and that was something that Salou brought up to John and I when we were out there. So... Um, definitely need prayers for that, but um, the, the, in, the most interesting thing about it is they have all these issues going on, and they're happy. We've got some things to learn, folks. They're happy. It, it's pretty amazing. Last thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we did do soap distribution. Uh, we bought roughly $400 U.S. dollars worth of soap uh, in, the, uh, in the boutique. Uh, close to in Kaffrine and took it out to the village uh, and you'll see some pictures of that here too or some video um, we would go to each compound and provide soap and ask for any prayer concerns uh, and here's some of the things that Jagale would like you to pray for and Chris mentioned some of this already pray for their health that's big uh, pray for the rains to come but not too much pray for good crops uh, and uh, and some of the people ask for children. They, they definitely need more. They, they use children in their household, so that uh, some of them did ask for children. So um, if you could pray for those, uh, those prayer concerns, that would be great. Um, and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who gives us the strength. So thanks again for your support. And we have a video. And uh, while Vicky is getting it ready, um, I was just going to ask if, um, where's Rick? Rick, you, normally you're kind of back there to lower the lights and stuff like that. Can you do that this morning too so that we can really see it well? We put this together yesterday. <laughs> hope, it, hope, it, hope it looks okay. <laughs> 